Praise God. Let's give glory to God for these guys. Thank you. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thanks, y'all. Very nice. Very nice. Have you ever heard the quote, the watched clock never passes? Yeah. Maybe a little bit uh, more familiar, the, the watched pot never boils. Heard that one, right? Yeah. My family likes it when I barbecue. Uh, I like that too, especially when it's red meat. <laughs> but you know, red meat just never seems to grill fast enough when I'm watching it. So I guess we could add to that, watch meat never grills. <laughs> So one day I came up with this idea that if I would just put the meat on the grill and then get busy doing some other task, that maybe that would help time fly. Guess what we got? Burnt meat. That's right. So my conclusion is meat will cook too slowly when you're watching it too closely. <laughs> but it cooks too quickly when you find yourself engaged in maybe a, a little bit more involved activity. Watched meat, never grills. <laughs> so I did a little Google search as I was thinking these thoughts and studying the scriptures. And, and I, I looked up slow days jokes. I shouldn't have been surprised when pretty much everything that popped up had to do with a slow day at the office. <laughs> oh dear, it seems that for most of us, the clock moves a whole lot slower when we're at work than it does on weekends or when we're doing other things we'd rather be doing. <laughs> I see some heads understanding all of this. A watch clock never passes. Time flies when you're having fun. Or as the frog would say, time's fun when you're having flies. <laughs> a watch clock. <laughs> you're a little slow this morning. <laughs> Might need to pinch the person next to you or something. Yeah. <laughs> a watch clock never passes. Well, I've got really good news for you. <clears throat> Jesus Christ really is coming in. And despite the fact that there are those scoffers and mockers in the church that want to say, well, where is this coming that he promised? Come on, it's been a long, long time, and still life goes on just as it always has. Well, could it be that we have a problem when it comes to Christ's return? And, and just maybe, maybe, just maybe, we're clock watchers. Could it be that we've grown so weary anticipating the return of Jesus Christ that it just seems to us like time drags on and on and on? And do you suppose that maybe there's something we're supposed to be engaged in to help pass that time? Just, just maybe. It's, it's a thought. I, I suppose we could say a watched prophecy never happens. And, and so it's to this end that our text picks up. This is 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm starting with verse 8 where the Bible says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Yeah, cool. I hear you turning in your Bibles. That's awesome. 2 Peter 3 verse 8. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow at keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come 
to repentance. It's interesting that first statement, a day is like a thousand years. He's actually quoting the psalmist from Psalm 90 verse 4 who says, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by or like a watch in the night. See, as far as God is concerned, our limited understanding of time has absolutely no bearing on anything he does or does it interfere with his plans in any ways, in any way. Our clocks, our, our calendars, they have no impact whatsoever on God's master plan. God is infinite. He's, he operates above those constraints that we tend to allow to limit us, constraints like seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, years, centuries, millennia. We could go on and on. God is not limited to time or space. God is infinite. So why does Peter mention here that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are, are like a day? And, and there's some interesting studies that talk about this. It's, it would be good to check those out. But where we need to go this morning is right back to where we started this morning with this idea, the watched pot never boils. The watch clock never passes. The anticipated Christ never comes. But the reality is things are progressing perfectly in line with, with the plans of God. What seems to be slow to us doesn't affect the reality of how things are right now developing. Our constraints are absolutely nothing to God. Yet over the years, there have been those who have been anxious about Christ's return. I mean, even to the point of selling everything, going to highest points, putting themselves in situations so that they'll be the very first among those raptured. And, and the thought is, hurry up, Jesus, come now, come, Lord Jesus, come, and come quickly. Hmm. I wonder, you know, if maybe that anxiousness has something to do with the fact that doing life on a fallen planet gets kind of messy at times. We don't like it. Gets really uncomfortable as we see society shifting and changing. We get ourselves into situations that, frankly, we would love to be rescued from. And so for our own sakes, we get in this trap. This is, hurry up, Jesus. Come today. Come quickly. Come now. <laughs> well, get this. Very important. God's focus on returning isn't so much about rescuing believers from the mess. God's return has little to do with getting us out of the messes that we've gotten ourselves into. God's returning has little to do with us trying to avoid difficult decisions or, or him being able to see, well done, good and faithful service, servant. Instead, his delay has more to do with his great kindness. In fact, we see it in verse you could call that GPP, God's great patient plan. You see, God knows that his coming will mean the eternal doom of many. And frankly, in his kindness, he's not anxious about that. He's taking his time. His heart is he doesn't want anybody to be separated from him. He wants everybody to come into that position of blessing, of a relationship with him, of knowing him, of, of being about what we were created for. God is 
deliberately delaying. He may be delaying for for someone who's sitting here today. Someone who right now at this moment is realizing, wow, I really haven't been walking with God. In fact, God's been far from me. I haven't drawn near to him. I haven't allowed him to to draw near to me. His, His delaying might be for that one that you've been praying for for a long, long time. Praise God for his GPP. Praise God for his great patience plan. (laughs) <laughs> Let's put it this way. Second Peter chapter 3, where we are today. Second Peter in general was written around 65 to 68 AD. That's maybe 1,950 years ago. At this point, it's been about 30 years since Christ last promised his return. Now, here's the church in the midst of intense persecution. At the hand of Nero, who's now ruling Rome, it's intensified all the more and 30 years just seems like it's been a long long time can you imagine a young child maybe five years old having to wait a year and three days for his birthday (laughs) it's too long it's been a long long time when is it going to happen but then start to think about how many people came to faith in christ in just that 30 year period you can read about it in the scriptures But then think about how many people have come to faith in Christ since then. Which of them would any of us eliminate by Christ having come sooner? By Christ having come in our own time frame? Well, what if he came 50 years ago? What if he came 10 years ago or or 5 years ago or even last week? Think about the people who would not have been prepared for his glorious appearing. And, And maybe it's a child or a grandchild that you're still praying for. Who would we eliminate from God's great patience plan? Who would we eliminate from God's great kindness? Who would we eliminate because we're anxious about the way things are developing here and now and in our own situations. But then think, this is absolutely not the heart of God. But it's not just about the benefit of non-believers here either. God isn't just waiting for those who are far from them, for, from him to come home. No, he's doing it for you and me because he's given us an opportunity and a responsibility to live life on this earth as his royal ambassadors. I don't know. I was reading about Kaylee Mueller this week, 25 years old, giving her life in the Middle East with uh, mercy without borders, trying to help people, ends up getting captured by, by uh, ISIS, tortured, six weeks, abused, and yet her fellow captors want everybody to know that Kaylee Mueller was about Jesus Christ until they took her head. They want us to know. In fact, her captors would parade her before male captives and and ask the question, how is it that she's so strong when you're not so strong? And as things begin to intensify in darkness in our world, will we shine all the more for the glory of God like Kaylee 
Mueller did. He's got something for us to do, and it will definitely help the time to pass by so quickly. <laughs> I think a story that I'm going to hold on to for now and forever, and thanks to, to so many of you who have, who have loved Lee. Lee, I know he's not here today. He's going to be here next week. It's the last time before he returns to China, right? He met us at Bond Park, right? We, we gripe because we can't meet here during the Estes Park Marathon. So we go out to, to Bond Park and, and we're worshiping out there when this boy from China hears the music and comes in and joins us. And last week he said, I can't be here next week. I'll be here the week after that. And then I'm going back to China and I will tell my people Jesus Christ is real. Yeah, that's where I want to live. See, this is why Jesus gave us the parable of the ten minas. Occupy until I return. And we read the word occupy and we think to take up space. But that's not the reason he used that word. He used that word because it means occupation. It means be about my father's business until I return. There is work for us to do until the day that Jesus returns. It's engaging, and it does make the clock pass much more quickly. But his delay isn't forever. The text goes on. I'm picking it up now. Verse 10, chapter 3, 2 Peter. Right? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Verse 11, bad news is good news. Since then everything will be delayed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells where righteousness rules, where righteousness is in charge, where everything that is right is being executed. It's right, it's good, it's lovely, it makes sense, it isn't twisted, it isn't looked at backwards, it's not a deception or a trick, it's real. And so starting right here, Peter addresses five big questions. The questions why, when, where, how, and then we get to verse 11, number five, what? should we do in the meantime so first why is the lord coming do you realize we are living in an era of god's incredible grace his great patience plan is anybody glad for that yeah i'm really glad for his great patience plan see the truth is we've all turned our backs on god we've all kind of rejected him being in charge of our lives we've gone our own independent way and when you you reject the king and his command, guess what that makes you? It makes you an enemy of the king. So we are literally God's enemies. But in his great kindness, he has made a way for us, excuse me, to come back into that relationship with him. But friends, justice must be done. Eventually, the gavel of God's righteousness must 
fall, and this is the reason he's returning. The clock on his great patience plan is ticking, and he is not going to allow this mess of a world to continue the way that it is forever. For some of us, that's really good news. For others of us, we're not so sure. But God is taking his time because he doesn't want anybody doing life apart from him and apart from his blessing. He's coming because it's time for justice. Yeah. So when will the day of the Lord come? Well, Peter doesn't really say right here. He's clearly avoiding the question. But did you notice it does say that when he comes, he'll come like a thief? A thief. It's a common expression. I mean, Jesus said when he came, he would come like a thief in the night. The Apostle Paul uses the exact same statement. He will come like a thief in the night. And the idea is, are you ready now? Be ever ready because just like you can't guard your house all the time, a thief will break in when you least expect it. So will the coming of the Son of Man. Be ready. Be on watch. So where will it happen? Well, verse 10 says, The heavens will pass away, elements destroyed, the earth laid bare. I guess we could say it's coming to a city near you. (laughs) All-encompassing. How will it come? Three descriptive words used here. Notice them. Roar, destruction, intense heat. Some of our members were out hiking up toward Twin Sisters when they noticed a, a, a little brush fire going on. They called uh, 911 and were surprised at how passive uh, the governing agencies were about this little thing. This is how a fire starts. I mean, an ember kind of glowing. The wind catches it just right until it develops into a storm of intensity that devours everything in its path. And that's what Peter's doing. He's painting a picture for us of a coming storm, the obliteration of the present heaven and present earth as we know it. And and notice he says the elements being destroyed by the heat. Now, he didn't understand atomic structure like, like what we understand today, but it's important to note that he's talking about the building blocks of this world. And, and of this universe, as he would have understand them, earth, air, water, and, and fire. Can you believe the old Mountaineer restaurant's gone? Do you notice it? I mean, a lot of us had some, you know, some good breakfast there. Bad coffee, but, you know, <laughs> breakfast was okay. It was simply scraped away to make room for something else. Valerie and I recently stayed in a hotel that I think needed to be scraped away. (laughs) Have you had one of those? Yeah. Needs a little bit of help. Well, that's what he's talking about here. The earth as we know it being demolished in order to make room for something new that God is about to do. You've heard about urban renewal over all the years, right? Here. Well, God's talking about cosmic renewal. It's time for some major change, and Jesus is making preparations for that. So number five, what should we do in response? Verse 11 asks that question. Since this is really going to happen, what kind of people ought we to be? And then it answers, live holy, which means we're set apart. We don't live for ourselves or for the world. We're set apart for God's use, right? Holy and godly, which means worship well, live our our lives in reverent respect 
of God. Verse 12 builds on that and says, look forward to it and speed its coming. How do we speed the coming of the Lord? By winning people to Jesus. He's not going to come until the right number of souls are prepared. He's waiting for everybody. So we speed his coming by being involved with his work. Verse 13 says, anticipate it. Whatever you, whatever you face here, it will be short-lived when you get there. <laughs> Do you remember something that you so anticipated that it seemed like it took forever to come? Remember that? Maybe from your childhood. Maybe the grandkids are coming. Maybe the grandkids are going home. <laughs> something you anticipated and then it came and it was gone just as quickly and it was like wow where did that go well that's how this will unfold soon and very soon we are going to see the king soon and very soon we are going to see the king soon and very soon we are going to see the king Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. No more crying there, we are going to see the King. No more crying there, we are going to see the King. No more crying there, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the King. No more injustice there. We are going to see the King. No more injustice there. We are going to see the King. No more injustice there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the King. Do you have a word you'd put there? Huh? Yeah, go ahead, Rhonda. Yay. Yeah, it's good. Glory to God. We're going to see the king. Yeah. All right. So in summary, clean up, look up, speak up. Clean up. What areas of your life require some cleaning up? I love the psalmist's prayer when he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. Search me, God. Search me. I love what John says when he says, if we walk in the light, full exposure, full disclosure, not the political game of secrets and hidden things, right? Thinking we're keeping things from the Almighty, right? If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, there we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sin, if we agree with God about what he already knows, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Walk fully honest before God. Listen, we play the Christian game, like to pretend we have it all together. Love it when the preacher nails us between the eyes. Just walk 
freely before him, knowing that he accepts you just as you are. It was Christ who saved you. It is Christ who will keep you. Just keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Clean up, clean up. Then look up. How can we live our lives in full expectation of his imminent return? Well, here's a good idea. Take a look at your calendar. How you spend your time and how is it reflected there that you are really investing your life in things eternal. Think about Jesus' words that we're not to store up for ourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, we're to invest in eternal things where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then these incredible, incredible words that so many of us somehow, it sounds nice when we hear it, but when it comes to exercising it, forget it, right? Yeah, it says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Oh, man, we are so accumulating, like Madame Blueberry's treehouse. <laughs> go get the video, VeggieTales. <laughs> oh, man, go get it and see what happens. What happens to Madame Blueberry's treehouse? It's kind of like us. I'm not going to say any more about Madame Blueberry. Just go get the video. <laughs> Who has the video that we could borrow if we need to? Yeah, there, there's a few. Go grab them. All right, they've got it. You can get that thing. And then speak up. Imagine Jesus Christ returning tomorrow. Is it possible that there's someone in your life who isn't ready for his return? Are you really comfortable with that? God's not. Are you praying for anybody? Are you aware of them and the smoke screens that they portray that we tend to allow to offend but are nothing more perhaps than the crying out of the darkness and deathness of this earth? Help, help. Are you being Christ to them? Are you asking God to give you what you need to speak into their lives? So I just wanted to close with this little fun story. A turtle family went on a picnic one day. They moved so, so slowly that it took them three years to finally get to their picnic grounds. Several months later, they finally got all the food unpacked when Mama Turtle realized somebody forgot the ketchup. Oh, no. So then she turns to, to, to Junior Turtle, and she says, Junior, would you please run home and get the ketchup? He didn't want to go home. No way. He was way hesitant, but he said, okay, okay, I'll go under one condition. No one can eat a thing until I get back. Everybody agreed with this, and he took off. Three years went by, still no junior turtle. Five years went by. Six years went by. Finally, on the seventh year, the oldest brother turtle said, I'm hungry. And everybody agreed. Just as they were ready to take their first bite, junior turtle jumps out from behind a bush and says, See, I knew you wouldn't wait. Now I'm not going.
Somebody is nudging a slow person next to them. <laughs> Jesus' coming seems to be a long time in happening, in, in being carried out. But he's not doing it to frustrate us. Jesus isn't up to some kind of antics. Jesus Christ is being patient. And his plans are being carried out in his perfect time according to his perfect plan. Friends, there are still many who need to discover God's great patience plan. And he said to us, occupy, be about the Father's business until I return. Clean up, look up, and speak up. And if we'll be about his business, he'll be here before you know it. Would you please pray these words with me? Father God, what is it that you're wanting me to hear from this sermon today? And in response to what he's saying to you, are you at a place today where you'll say yes, Lord? Thank you.